Hi everyone, my name is Michaela, and this is the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast, Heartfelt Consciousness, where we spotlight stories from our community to uplift the collective consciousness. Thank you for being here and enjoy the episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast, Heartfelt Consciousness. My name is Michaela, and I'm so glad to have Shiva back with me today. We're going to continue our conversation on the eight-limbed path, specifically the first two limbs, the yama and niyama. So Shiva, how are you today? I know you like to start with an invocation, so I would love to hold space for that. Thank you, Michaela. It's so wonderful to be back on this podcast and chatting with you. And yes, let us start with a, an invocation to, to the divine within and to the guides. Tanno Guru Prajotayat Om Akhanda Mandalakaram Vyaptam Yena Characharam Tatpadam Darshitam Yena Tatmai Shri Guru Venamaha Guru Brahma Guru Vishnu Guru Devo Maheshwara Guru Sakshat Parabrahma Tatmai Shri Guru Venamaha Ekadantam Mahakayam Tapta Kanchanasan Nibham Nambo dharam visalaksham Vande ganganayakam Om Shri Guru Bhyodamaha Shri Matyanamaha Thank you for that beautiful invocation. Take me into it. Take me into it. So bringing us into the tapas. Yes. Yeah. So, so like when we talk about tapas, it is basically that fire, that intensity, that heat. That, that one-pointedness, that concentration with which uh, whatever happens to us, and this can be maybe unpleasant experiences, <clears throat> this can be overly pleasant. I mean, there is, there is the extremes, right? It's any extreme. So if we can look at it, each one of it as a tapas, then that is exactly what is happening, right? We are putting ourselves through that torch, so the tapas is that torch. And a lot of the pictures that you might see, you know, of people meditating, sitting, they're sitting on fire, a tantric, tantric processes, you know, where you, if you see any pictures, and I, I, I like to visualize and I, I'm, I'm a, a visual person. So the, the visual of it would be, you know, maybe Devi or, or any sort of a form that is sitting on a fire. So all your homas, the these these uh, practices or rituals that that involve fire, you're sitting in that fire. Basically, you're burning yourself. So that self burning or self heating up, and then allowing after that experience has passed, allowing that cooling off period, right? And that cooling off period is of course one of self introspection, swadhyaya. And the entire time, having all the other uh, things like compassion, abundance, surrender, you know, practicing all of that, 
during the schooling, schooling of period as well, uh, helps us to become, you know, more perceptive, softer, and able to live life in a more peaceful and happy way. And in turn, hence, serve, serve our fellow humans and our fellow beings, not just humans, um, beings, right, plants, animals, whatever, our surroundings. I think that that's a beautiful way to look at it. The, I love the idea of the cooling off period, but of it also being slow. I've, I don't know about you, but for me, I tend to like, breasting is hard in general for, I feel like yes. Americans. And well, so when we do- Not just Americans. You think everybody, not just us? So. Good, good. I think so. It's the, the, it's the world right now, right? Yeah, like, everyone's really keyed up. No, we're all like running the race. I'm glad it's not just me. Yeah. No, but no, I mean, no, you know, misery lives its company, but I don't want other people to suffer. You know what I mean? It's like, it's both. Um, but I love the idea of it being slow. What a beautiful gift to give yourself to let it be slow. And seeing it as, just like you said, that metaphor of if you stick something in real quick, it's going to burst. Yeah. But if you titrate it, it's going to get stronger. Yes. And I, I like how you mentioned that that it's difficult to take it slow. And I think that's where the suffering comes in. So the sutras talks about what Dukkha, Dukkha is one of the kleshas, right? So there's Raga and Dvesha. So that Dukkha, that, that, that suffering, you know, that, that we, we experience, is mainly because we cannot accept accept the slowness. Because your nature is not something that we can control, no matter what we try to do. What is going to happen is going to happen. So the time with which it's going to take, let's say it's going to take two months. It is going to take two months, no matter what you do, you can stand on your head, it's still going to take two months. Now, how we, how we choose to go through those two months, that is within our control. But the two months is not within our control. <laughs> so once we can accept that, then I'm not saying that it'll be easy. It will, it may just um, not give us that much of Dukkha. Because we won't be fighting against something that you are definitely not going to be able to win. There's no war, there's no fight there. You know, a lot of times we, we think that there is, oh, there's this, this, you know, think this, 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 this war, I have to be a warrior, I'm going to fight. But really, there has to be a war for there to need warriors. With nature, there is really no war. It's one that you have to be with. If we can go along the flow, with the flow of nature, then we might not, uh, you know, have the suffering as much. But yes, that cooling off period, when we go through an intensity, intense, experience is absolutely necessary. Why? Because we, that's how nature has designed it. It's by design. You know what that's giving me too? The vibes of surrender. Yes. Yes. To just, because like you said, you could stand on your head, but yeah. the two months is going to be two months. So you can choose to surrender to the process to surrender to the divinity, the, the capital T truth, or you can fight it. 
Mm-hmm. And the, the funny thing is, even if you fight it, ultimately it will bring you to surrender because that is the process of nature. Right? It will bring you to surrender. That we are all getting there. We are all going, we are all taking different paths, but we're all going there, right? So how we get there, it's that's up to us. And that's where the free will comes in. You know, we have so many guides, we have so many gurus, we have so many masters that are and divinity that are, you know, like like mothers holding space and just just holding us. But there is this thing called free will. So no one is going to, they're not going to hear like, no, you should do this, you should do that, you should do this. Right? They're going to go, okay, I will hold it for you. And that's why I love how you 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 mentioned in the beginning, I want to hold space for that. It's not that you are holding me, you're holding space for me to be in. So as as yoga teachers, as yoga therapists, as humans, you know, who want to serve or be of service to humanity, what we can do is hold space. You can't hold another person. You know, that is that's where free will comes in. So that's why nature is holding space for us. It is not going to like force anything upon us. Right? So when we when that process is whatever in two months, two years, twenty years, whatever. A lifetime, several lifetimes, whatever it is. Yeah, that surrender is going to happen. A lot of times we get to surrender after fighting so much that we tire ourselves out. It's like little children. You know, those of us who, who, who have little kids, we just want to, a lot of times, and I've heard this and I've done, I'm guilty of it myself, where I will take my child out to the park and like let them get all the energy out so that you know, let them play and get all the energy out so that they will, you know, crash, like fall asleep, crash, you know, just be so tired. <laughs> and that's what, because that's what we are doing. We are all children, really. You know, that's what we are doing. We, we fight, 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 fight. And then we're so tired, finally, that we surrender. But if we can bring out, bring that awareness within us that, hey, surrender is the, it's, it's that's where we're going right that's where we're going in the niyamas that's why it's it comes at the end the surrender comes at the end right because eventually hey that's where you are going i didn't think about that i love that that's why it's the last one because it doesn't matter what what path you take to get there mm-hmm. that's where we're all going to end up going Mm-hmm. And we are going to accumulate all the others before that too. Yeah. So if we can, and I, I mean, I don't mean to say that you have to do the first first nine in order to get there, but that ultimately, regardless of how you want to go, whether it's a straight line, whether it's a cyclical, whether it's a big, you know, mishmash, whether it's a chain stitch, whether it's a, a you know, fancy pattern stitch, embroidery, however you want to get there, we are getting there, right? If we can accept and know that from the beginning, then maybe we might fight a little less because, hey, we all know that the fight is happening within us. We're not actually fighting. We're like punching punching the air. <laughs> I like that imagery. <laughs> We're punching. No one's there. We're fighting ourselves. <laughs> 
and I like that image that um, that uh, my dear friend Michelle, uh, you know, has mentioned before. There is no tiger. What are you running away from? You're running and running and running, thinking that a tiger is chasing you. There is no tiger. You know, it's not like the tiger is not chasing you. The tiger doesn't even exist. <laughs> you know, that's the <laughs> beautiful imagery there also. I love that. Um, and what you were saying about tiring kids out, <laughs> what that is reminding me of is being at the beginning of my practice and needing to tire myself out with asana yes. to get to a place where I can be with myself. Yes, yes. And this is this is very, it's very real, right? Have needing to do and and the thing is we have we have a body. And we do have a mind. So as long as you have that mind, there is going to be that chitavriti. All these thoughts are going to come in. And we live in a day-to-day, -day, you know, we live in the world. We're not sitting in a cave. So, so this ebbs and flows are going to definitely be there. So we have a body. We need to take care of it. Right? However, subtle, subtler we get, the subtler our mind gets and the subtler, the more aware we, we become with our panchakoshas and, you know, with all the layers of the body and the layers of, of our dimensions, of our dimensions, the more aware we become of our different dimensions, that this is not, this physical self is not just it. There are other dimensions, um, you know, we talk about astral dimensions and the ones beyond that, right? We have a soul that goes through dimensions too. So the more we become aware of all these different things, we become subtler, right? So the awareness leads us to that subtlety. But until then, and even through all of that, it is important to take care of this body because this body is what is the vessel that, that's taking. It's like the boat that is taking us to different places, right? So if we're on a boat and we're traveling the world, we're traveling the seven seas. Wherever we go, we see the sunset. Oh, we see the beautiful dolphins. Oh, we see the orcas. Oh, we see the ice caps. Oh, we see uh, the forests and the different um, islands. And the... Whatever we see, we still need to ensure that we take care of that boat because that boat is what is carrying us to all these places. You know? So, asana is very, very important in that sense. It is a system that was built up so that um, and so that you know we we can travel easily more easily if not we'll have to swim the entire time or float on a log right which is fine too that's fine as well but as long as we are choosing to use this body it is important to take care of it and many a times because we have that mind because of the chitavriti we are going to have to tire ourselves out in order to get to that stage. But with practice, we will find that after a while, you don't really need to do asana to tire yourself out, right? We will be able to drop into that state very much faster. It is definitely possible. And, you know, you have so many people experiencing that as well, um, you know, and but then again, like bringing it to what you talked about for impermanence. That is not a permanent state. It's not like, okay, I've gotten there. That's it forever. You know, dusted, done and dusted. 
that state is also impermanent and the whole journey is like at that point of time okay you know keeping the awareness that that awareness is one that we can strive to be, to become permanent as long as we are in that state of awareness then that will lead us to more and more awareness right awareness is a very loose term awareness of what you know there's so much uh, and you know the yamas and niyamas really help us to to apply whatever is happening in our life um to bring that awareness to bring us back to the state of awareness is bringing me back to when we first started talking about the eight-limbed path and then the yamas and yamas specifically um something that stuck with me that you said was rather than looking at it as it's a ladder looking at it as though it's a wheel and that each spoke is important and has it needs to be there for us to function optimally like we can probably have a broken spoke or two and the wheel will still go but it's not going to move optimally um and so that is something that's really stuck with me and as we continue to talk about all of these different ideas and then even go past the first two limbs and go into asana the interconnectedness is real and something that we hear i hear all the time in teacher training at least with mdp is like and they're going lights sorry <laughs> uh that i hear with mvp is you know we look at everything separately just so that we can understand them individually but ultimately nothing is really separate absolutely oh that is so real that is so true you know that that nothing there is nothing that is separate and that is a misconception that is a misperception that there is separate you and i are not separate we are not separate from our you know we we've come because of maya we have been pushed into this uh, this idea that oh i am separate from you know the whole thought, thought um idea of individuality oh you know that i am separate from you and that i this is happening to me that is happening to you you know we are separate from nature um there's, there's so much of misconception there that is the duality in the world that is sunlight and shadow that is night and day right that is the sky and the earth you know there is there are there is you know man and woman that, that everything comes in pairs yeah they complete each other shiva and shakti they complete I, i i they are complete in themselves and they work together in union so in order for us to experience or really truly appreciate uh sunlight or warmth you need to have experienced the cold right if you have been really cold then when you step into the warmth you really truly appreciate it right now here in texas we just had a very 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 hot summer and now suddenly when the rains are coming wow it's amazing you really really appreciate it right so and that's by design nature's design is like that so the appreciation of one thing is when you have experienced the other thing 
So not to say that we have to go and look for or or or, or put ourselves uh, in hardships in order to appreciate uh, what good we have, but rather when the the hardships are presented to us, you know, or when we are put through them, then we can know the love. <clears throat> we can know that unconditional love more more. Like the appreciation of it would be more. So that is that that balance. When we talk about pratipaksha bhavana, that's what the that's what it is. You know, the, the extremes. To be able to appreciate one extreme and then the other and and then bringing it back to the center. You read my mind because while you were talking about the pairs and the, the different sides of, of the extremes and Pratipaksha Bhavana is what came to mind. Um, but I was struggling a little bit to put into words how it, it related. And so thank you for, for that, because that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, and I like how you phrased it. It's the appreciation of both with the intention of coming back to balance yes. and getting and better at that process. Absolutely. And time here is not a factor, right? We know that it has to be slow and it can be slow or whatever that slow, fast. These are all so relative. What is slow for you might not be slow for me. What is slow for me might be not slow for you. So it is so relative, right? Time is so relative. Uh, so it is when we start comparing ourselves with uh, the person next to us that, oh, this person took three months to get over their grief or whatever. Uh, why am I taking five years and I'm still not there yet? Then it is that comparison that causes even more, even more uh, uh, sorrow. But um, that 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 aside, uh, this the appreciation of it. The appreciation ultimately leads us to more awareness, right? And that more awareness leads us to subtlety. So, yes. And I feel like that's mirrored. I feel like that's mirrored in um, the progression, which I don't, as I'm saying that, I don't necessarily really like that. I guess it's mirrored in the connection of the yamas and niyamas because I feel as though when I look at it, they get a bit more subtle and a bit more complex as you start to look at each one. Like I can understand, I can understand, you know, Things like, like nonviolence, like cleanliness, like truthfulness. But then you take me to surrender, and that's a little bit harder for me to apply. One, because it's a little foreign. Two, because it's difficult. And so that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm getting from, you know, this whole process of moving more subtle more subtle more subtle in the intention of building better awareness it's not for each person it is so different because yeah. we are coming at all of these concepts with our own perception and and our perception changes with our life experiences right when you're in your 20s the yamas and niyamas will look different than when you are in your 40s or than when you are in your 70s or it doesn't really matter what age you are, what life experiences we have gone through and where we are at at that moment. 
right? So it, each the words are still there, and that's why it is so beautiful. The sutras, Patanjali Maharishi, oh, it is amazing what he has given us because um, the words are so simple. It's actually very simple. Each one, <laughs> this is simply, and the sutras is just it's just so simply written. Each one. But how we approach or, or understand it, assimilate it into our lives can be so different for each of us. So that's perfectly fine that something seems complex, that something seems like over the top or if it just you know, flies over your head. It's possible or probable um, that we don't need that at that point of time. That's how I look at it. That because, because if we need something, and that is meant to be in our lives to serve our journey to take us forward in our journey then it will come it will knock on your door and it will keep knocking on you until you look at it right if something is just flying over our head then at least at least this is how i take it if something is completely flying over my head i just like ignore it i'm like oh okay i didn't get that but all right why because i probably don't need it at this point, you know, even if I try my very best to understand it, I'm not at the frequency where I will be able to to understand, accept. Understand is one thing, accept is the next thing, and then apply. So that is very important. So I I have always felt that when we study all these things, they're not just things and concepts in books. You know, you have to accept them wholly and then apply them to your life. If that application doesn't happen, then it just becomes another book that you're going to read and you know put on your shelf. So, so then, if a concept just goes over you, fine, let it. It doesn't mean that it's not happening. It doesn't mean that it's <laughs> not working. You know, in in our lives. Um, and and I think this is where the us opening ourselves to these possibilities. Uh, comes so slowly slowly and and i love that that word you use titrating you know when we titrate 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 slowly slowly things will 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 come to us and we will find that we don't have to struggle so much to understand or accept you know that struggle is a little less maybe not even there or maybe the struggle was there but you didn't really feel it <laughs> right so, so that's that. So Shiva, can you walk us through a little bit of the yamas and niyamas themselves? But then you, we keep talking about this idea of them being interrelated, interconnected, feeding into each other. Can you, just like we've been talking about, can we look at them a little bit individually and then see your perception of how they, they kind of intermesh? Yes, yes. Thank you. So I like how you said my perception. Absolutely, right? Whatever we are talking about, each one of us are coming to this with our lived experience and, and our perception. And how I, what I want to contribute is how I can live each one of this, how we can all live each one of this and apply it in our daily lives, not daily lives as householders, you know, as people who are living in this world real time, you know, regular people who have jobs, sometimes some have multiple jobs, you know, wearing different hats. 
uh, and roles in our lives. And yes, the education of all of them. So what are these yamas and niyamas? See, Patanjali has described the the yamas to be five five you know yamas and five niyamas. And the yamas generally are like oh ethical conduct, you know, with the world, etc. And niyamas are like oh what are the practices that you have within yourself. Now, this is generally what is uh, uh, translated maybe or or pulled out and that is sort of how it has spread uh, that oh when you want to talk about what are the yamas this is the definition that's given what are the yamas this is the definition that's given I like to look at them not as so much separate but as one in one feeding into each other so you cannot live in the world and ignore yourself. At the same time, you cannot just go within yourself and ignore the world if you are trying to live in the world. Right? So that harmony um, that is there is not just, oh, this is for the world, this is for myself. It's not so separate, it's not separate like that. There is always interconnectedness. Right? So they are definitely that it's harmony. Harmony, harmony, that's all. So that peace and harmony is there externally and internally. So it is going out and coming in, going out and coming in, going out and coming in, right? So when we, when we, I, I, I look at it like, like a, like a flower. So the flower petal starts from inside and then it goes outside, right? Not one end of the petal is more important than the other. The flower is beautiful as a whole. Right? So that whatever it feeds into or connects into inwards, and then the outside of the petal is what we see. How, where it connects inside, we cannot see, but it is as important. So these practices, they need to connect inside, within. And then they will flower out, the petal flowers out to the external. Both are important. So when we talk about the yamas, when there are five yamas, right? So there is ahimsa, satya, asteya, brahmacharya, and aparikara. So now these five, it doesn't mean that this only needs to be or should be applied to the external. It is very important, like the flower petal, that it is connected within. Only then can it be applied outside. The same goes with niyamas. So the niyamas, we have shaucha, santosha, tapaswadhyaya, ishwara, pranidhan. Same thing. It is connecting inside and it will flow outside. Right? So, so here ask me something. Thank you for oh, saying that, right. first of all, because that is my understanding. And that has what has sat most comfortably with me is that while I'm very thankful for Patanjali for organizing them in that way, it's so helpful, helpful for, for me to see the reverse relationship as well. Well, yeah, I wanna practice these things within myself. I also wanna practice these things outside of myself and vice versa. Mm. So, and, and I, for me, it's like, 
it all ties back to the divinity that's within everything. If the divinity is within me, it's outside of me. I want to give it to the divinity that's within me and that's without me, like both of them. And you know what we are doing when we look at it as internal, external? We are sort of reducing that opaqueness of ourself, right? Because the only when there is, you know, it, we have this house, the house, there are different rooms. So between this room and that room, there is the wall, right? But the air or whatever happens within this room, the same air is only in that room. Yes. So whatever energy that's in this room can traverse to that room as well. It is that wall in between that is separating this room and that room. Now, if the walls become thinner and thinner and thinner, then whatever happens in this room is going to flow through to that room. So ultimately what we are doing is we have this self. So when you say within myself and without myself, that self is that wall. When we make that wall thinner and thinner and thinner, thinner by thinner I mean less gross and more subtle, then whatever is happening within is going to flow outside. Right? So I love that. I love that. And it, it it's it leads me into my next question that he, that we are kind of getting to. In what way can you describe how you understand or how it feels to you, this interconnectedness of all of these ideas, this, I, this process of what happens within one happens, it precipitates into the other, right? Yes. So it's so beautiful. Thank you for that question. Let me bring it back to the yamas and the niyamas, right? That's what we're talking about. So... Let's, let's go into um, the yamas itself first. Ahimsa, satya, asteya, brahmacharya, and aparigraha. Let me look at one thing, just ahimsa. So ahimsa, what is the definition of ahimsa, right? Typically, it is translated in English, and usually we see it as non-violence, right? So how I like to look at it, though, is not as non-violence. Because you know our mind is it's a physical thing. Right? If I tell if if I tell you don't think of a monkey, the first thing that we are all going to think of is a monkey. Right? Different types of monkeys. <laughs> you the monkey in your mind might look a little different than what is in my mind. I might have a chimpanzee, someone might else, else might have a vulnerable monkey or something like that. But no matter what, you're going to think of a monkey. So when we say non-violence, right? The first thing that 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 is that is so strong in our in our minds that that you are going to think of is violence. So you're going to go towards that, and then going, okay, how do I get away from it? How do I get away from it? But the word ahimsa, you know, the true meaning of ahimsa is indeed compassion, kindness, right? So. Utter compassion, giving of that, 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 I mean, in order to, again, with Pratipakshabhavna, in order to reach that utter compassion, you're going to have to give up the violence, nature, right? So 
So I think that's where this definition came from. But however, when we are looking at it and you know studying it or looking at how can I apply this to my life, instead of saying, okay, I'm not going to be to be uh, violent, I'm not going to be angry, I'm not going to be this and that. If we can apply it in the sense of I'm going to be overly compassionate and compassionate with who? Not just the world. You know, a lot of times it is seen as, oh, non-violent means I must take care of the animals. I must, uh, you know, so many, so many things. Um, but, but how do I apply that in my day-to-day -day life? Right? I don't have an, I don't have pets. So what, what animals am I talking about? Right? How do I apply this to my daily life? Is just having compassion and compassion not for the not just for the person who's sitting next to me or standing next to me, but compassion for myself. So that self-compassion it is so 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 important, right? And this self-compassion, how does it connect to any of anything else? Like when we talk about that spoke. Right? This is one of the all the different spokes in the wheel. Now, one spoke is balanced by the other spoke as well. Mm. So how what is the section in the Niyamas that is that is sort of balancing out or, or connected to to Ahimsa? Santosha. When there is so much of compassion to ourselves that contentment and happiness will follow. When there is so much of happiness and contentment within ourselves, compassion will follow. You see, they are one in each other. And it is so beautiful because um, this brings me back to the what is within will come without and what is without will come within. Because there will be there'll be less of that self, right? less of the wall, less of the veils. That because we can go under it, we can go through it, we can lift it and see that, hey, when I am compassionate, I am happy. When I am happy, I am compassionate. We can approach it whichever way we want. All of us have different paths. All of us approach everything in different ways. But the first thing would just be to be aware that, hey, all these are not separate things. Right? So I'm, when I'm so content and happy within myself, then that is only going to flow, you know. So that is with ahimsa, and how I view it, or what came to me was that hey, this is connected to this niyama as well, and it's not just an ethical code or a moral thing. There's there's really no morality or 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 anything here, you know. In the spiritual life, it is just. It's all about choices and the lessons that we learn from those choices. So if I remove this this whole idea of morality and things from the right or wrong, all that, if I remove everything from that, it boils down to everything being a choice and everything that comes out of that choice being a lesson. So this is also something that the, the guides uh, gifted to me, that everything in my life is a choice. And, and a lesson. So how do I apply these yamas and niyamas in my life? I look at them as choices and what I get out of that. 
Lord Krishna in Bhagavad Gita also talks about this, about how there's only what you do and the consequence of that. There's only your actions and the consequences. Right? So there's nothing really right or wrong. It's actions and consequences. That's all. So with Ahimsa, when we have so much of kindness and compassion that, um, that we develop, and how do I develop this kindness and compassion? By being content and happy. How do I, how should I be content and happy? By developing compassion and kindness. Self-compassion. And there are many, many tools that are available in yoga for that. I love this. I'm ready for the next one. This relationship, I mean, no one has ever talked to, explained them to me like this, their relationship like this. I'm loving this. Next one. What's the next one? <laughs> so the next one in Yamas, and hey, but, but for that disclaimer, not every, each Yama doesn't necessarily connect with one and only one uh, Niyama, right? It's not like one-to-one -one relationship. They are all they're all interconnected. Thank you for the listeners uh, for being here and listening with us. I uh, can't wait to see you again next week. Thank you again, Shiva. And we'll see you Thank soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Let us close with a uh, short prayer of gratitude as well. Oh. Sarvesham Sustir Bhavatu. Sarvesham Shantir Bhavatu. Sarvesham Purnam Bhavatu, Sarvesham Mangalam Bhavatu, Sarve Bhavantu Sukhinaha, Sarve Santu Niramayaha, Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu Makashid Dukkabhag Bhavet, Asatoma Satsamaya, Tamasoma Jyotir Samaya, Mrityodma Amritam Gamaya, Om Shanti 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 Om Shri Guru Bhyonamaha Samasta Aparadam Kshamatsva Harihi Om Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast. This was part one of a part two series on Yamas and Niyamas with Shiva. Please return next week at the same time for the final installation of our talk on the Yamas and Niyamas.